Hello and welcome once again to another episode of the Average Joe Sports Show brought to you today by AverageJoeSports.com, a blog for your everyday sports fan. I'm your host, Noah Strackbine, and today I have plenty of NBA playoff coverage for you and an interview with new Finnish American League rookie Mike Galantini, plus much more to talk about. But first, we got to jump into the NBA playoffs. As everyone already knows, the Cavs 8-0 this year haven't lost a game in the playoffs, and they currently just swept the Hawks 4 nothing. And their closest game was a one-point margin in Game 4, 100-99. And let me tell you, wasn't even close. Was not even close. If you sat there and watched these games, if you sat there and went, okay, maybe the Hawks have a chance, you should never watch the NBA again. Because I could tell you personally that it wasn't, it wasn't even a comparison. There was nothing that the Hawks did that made anyone sit there and think, okay, well, yeah, maybe they have a chance. Because they didn't. They had no chance at all. They sat there, and they took their beatings, and they knew they were going to lose. And you knew that right from game one. But most importantly, in game two, when the Cavs came out, hit 25 three-pointers to win the game, set a new franchise record, or not franchise record, NBA record. And it was obvious right from there that they weren't going to, they weren't going to lose. And for everyone who sits there and goes, okay, well, you know, it's just the Hawks, and it was just the Pistons. It wasn't just the Hawks, and it wasn't just the Pistons. These are teams that obviously played well enough to make the playoffs, and the Cavs sit there and just destroyed them. It wasn't even close. It, it honestly, you watch them play and you go, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe they could lose to the Warriors or, you know, the Spurs look pretty good even though they don't right now. OKC's on fire. You know, D. Wade's playing real well. Maybe they have a chance to beat them. No. The Cavs are hands down the best team in basketball right now, and I will argue that until the day I die. I will. And you want to know why? It's not because of LeBron. It's not because of Kyrie Irving. It's because of Kevin Love. Kevin Love is killing it right now. He's sitting there. He averages 18 points a game, 12 and a half rebounds, and let me tell you, there's no player in the NBA right now that could post this man up and beat him on the dribble. Nothing. I don't care if you have Klay Thompson, if you have Draymond Green on him, you could have Tim Duncan on him. I don't care. He's going to beat them. I'm telling you right now. That's that's the only way I can look at it. Is D Wade, or not D Wade? Kevin Love is just the best player in the NBA. It, it is. It is. And and I want to give him the recognition because you sit there and you watch Kevin Love and you watch the Cavaliers. Kevin Love is never the name that's being called. He's never the guy who everybody says, okay, well, they won because of Kevin Love. He's never the guy that people say, well, the Cavaliers are good because of Kevin Love. He's never that. He's never that guy. Since day one, he has been the player that came in and no one liked. No one thought he fit well with the team. No one thought he had any chance to play with these guys and compete with these guys. And everybody thought that, oh, he's just a three-point shooter. Oh, he's not playing as well. You know, he's not doing this. He's not doing that. LeBron doesn't like him. Kyrie wants to leave because of him. You know, David Black can't fit him into the Blank can't fit him into the system. You know, all that. No. Kevin Love finally broke out, and he broke out in a big way. Because, look, I agree with all those people and everything everybody says. When Kevin Love first came, I didn't think he had a shot at making this team, or not making this team, but playing with this team. I thought that he was just a three-point shooter, and that's all everybody was going to use him as when he needed to be much more than that. He loved grabbing boards, and he loved playing a post game when he was in Minnesota. And when he came to Cleveland, everybody was just like, you know what, let's forget about the past five years of his career and how dominant he was in the post and let's just tell him to lose some weight and shoot some threes no and then Tyrone Lue comes in now he's making him a post guy with a three-point range and he is destroying it he is in this series or in this playoffs the 2016 playoffs and he is looking like the best player in the entire league you could argue uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, you really could. And you could argue Kyrie, you could argue D. Wade, you could argue Klay Thompson. Kevin Love right now is the best player in the 2016 playoffs. And I will say that in, to my grave. I will take it to the grave with me. He's not putting up crazy, crazy numbers like Russell Westbrook is, but he's playing well enough for his team to win and his team to win easily. I get, yeah, game four, 100 to 99. Who cares? It's one point, and if you watch that game, if you sat down and actually observed the entire game, watched it start to finish, the Hawks knew they were going to lose, and they knew that if they would win that game, it was just another game before they lost again. They had no hope. They were completely broken. You, that's what the Cavaliers are doing. They're breaking these teams. They're coming out and having 25 you know, three-pointers in one game and then expecting teams to play well 
against them the rest of the rest of the series and that's that's not what teams are doing you know they're coming out they're just beating them and then everybody's faulting everybody's giving up and just kind of crawling into a hole and you watch that and because of that I honestly believe, yeah, the Cavs are going to win the NBA Finals, and I'm going to put that right now. I'm going to throw it out right now. When you have guys like J.R. Smith shooting 50% from three, you know, LeBron averaging almost a triple-double, Kyrie going off every game, shooting 53% from three-point. When you have J.R. and Kyrie shooting over 50% from the three-point line in the entire playoffs, this is not the Hawks series, this is the entire playoffs, then you have a team that could easily beat the Warriors and easily beat Oklahoma City and easily beat the Spurs, easily beat the Raptors. Anybody you throw at them, they're going to win. On the other side of the East, you look at the Heat, the Raptors, I honestly think that D-Wade is pretty close to the third best player in the playoffs right now. He's He doesn't have the numbers, but he's playing as well as anyone else. He is single-handedly winning these series for the Heat. He won against Charlotte. He did that. No one else did that. He did that. And you watch that. And then he won against the Raptors two games already. I get that he had the whole controversy with Canada with or with that Canadian anthem thing. And look at if you if you talk to me about it, I, I do I do have a problem with it. I think that you should be respectful to everyone's culture and everyone's country. So don't get me wrong. But if you look at him as a player and you look at him as an athlete and an NBA player in the playoffs right now facing the Raptors trying to get to the conference championship, then he's playing as well as anybody else. And I don't see how they lose this. If I had to talk about it and I had to guess, I'd say the Heat really are. They're going to win this this playoff series. And it's because of two players that aren't on the Heat. First off, uh, Johannes Valanciunas being out for the remainder of the series, it really lowers the Raptors' chances because Kyle Lowry shooting 33%, DeMar DeRozan shooting 33% as well, and they aren't playing well. You watch DeRozan and you realize that he is not built for the playoffs. He can't, for some reason, perform well when it's big pressure situations, and you've seen that throughout his entire career, and you're really seeing it in this playoff series. And it stinks because he's a free agent this year, and I'm not going to want to sign him. I'm going to want to sign him for, you know, maybe the regular season and to be a big play guy. But when it comes to the playoffs, why do you want him on your team? You don't because he's just like A-Rod was a few years ago. Nobody thought he could perform in the postseason. And he's really showing it because he's playing terribly. Kyle Lowry's finally starting to get some rhythm. And then as soon as he hits a big shot, it seems like he misses five easy ones. And that's going to hurt them, and it's continuing to hurt them. And that's the only reason that the series is tied 2-2. The Heat are extremely outmatched. The Raptors are a much better team if you look at them all around. And D-Wade is just putting the team on his back really realistically and telling everybody, look it, I want to win. I want to play LeBron, and I want to win a finals, and I want to prove to everyone that I'm a great player and I deserve to be known as one of the superstars in the NBA. I applaud you, D-Wade, because you are. You're proving it. Because guys like Kyle Lowry and DeRozan are not playing well, and you're going, look it, everyone thinks they're all-stars. Well, I'm an all-star as well, and I'm going to play better than them. And they're going to win the series because of it. And it's going to be Heat Cavs, which I know everybody's excited for because I'm I'm pumped. I'm super pumped for it. I'm a Cav. Okay, I can't even say that. I take that back. I'm not a Cavaliers fan. I'm a LeBron James enthusiast. That's what I call myself. I am a LeBron James enthusiast. I'm a Suns fan. I'm a Phoenix Suns fan, and they are terrible almost every year. When Nash left, I knew it was all headed downhill, and it hasn't really seemed to do much better since then. And, you know, I kind of go into the season thinking, all right, well, maybe next year we could get a good draft pick. You know, we lose enough. We could possibly get a top three draft pick, even though that never seems to happen. And then we go on to the next year, and I take it from there. But when it comes to playoff time, I'm wearing the LeBron jersey. I'm rooting for LeBron, and I'm I'm going for I'm going Cavs the whole way. But if I really look at it from a journalist journalist aspect, if I look at it, okay, I'm breaking down the playoffs right now. The Cavaliers and the Heat will be a much better series than OKC and Golden State or Spurs and Golden State. And if Portland somehow pulls this off, which they won't, then Portland and either one of those teams the Heat and the Cavs are only going to be a great series 
they're not going to go seven games. They're not going to, you know, have every single game be toe-to-toe. What it's going to be is two stars, LeBron and D-Wade, who are going, okay, this is probably one last time. Let's put on a show. And D-Wade's going to put up 30 points at least twice, and LeBron James is going to be right there doing the same thing. And it will be the best series in the playoffs so far. I can promise you that. I really can promise you that. And when it comes to the Raptors and the Heat, it's over. It really is. It's over. It's 2-2 right now. And the next game is in uh, Toronto, and they're going to lose. The Raptors are going to lose. The Heat will take that one, and then the Heat will finish it off in Miami. I promise you that right now. I promise you. It's going to be over. You don't beat D-Wade when he's shooting 62% from three. You don't do it. When he is almost shooting 50% total and 62% from three, you don't beat them. You don't. Not with a team who isn't performing well in the playoffs. It's not going to happen. It's, it's just not. So if you look at it, yeah, all right, I'm going to say, well, Cavs won already. And then Heat, I have to go Heat. I have to say Heat-Cavs will be the Eastern Conference Finals. And I'm super excited for it. I really am. I'm super excited for it. If I had to break it down, I'd say Cavaliers are going to win it in six games. I'd say six games. i say that the Heat go down 2-0, then win one, go down 3-1, win another one, and then Cleveland takes it. I'm going to say six games. And we're going to leave it at that. All right. Today's show is brought to you in part by the Ledgedale Country Kitchen and Barbecue Pit, located on 1387 Ledgedale Road, Lake Ariel. Open seven days a week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. And if you're looking for a great home-cooked meal, come to the Ledgedale Country Kitchen, where everyone is treated like family. We got to go back to the NBA playoffs. We have to. We have to jump into the NBA playoffs and finish the Western Conference. When you look at OKC, OKC, Oklahoma City, and the Spurs, Series is 3-2 right now, and if you watched the game last night, how did anyone miss that last-second foul? How? How? Kawhi Leonard, we have to – We, if, if you didn't watch the game, I'll break it down. There's – I believe it was four seconds left, five seconds left, something like that, maybe nine. It might have been higher. Russell Westbrook gets the inbound pass, drives to the basket, and is fouled by Kawhi Leonard. They called the continuation – let me tell you, Kawhi Leonard fouled him at the three-point line, and he dribbled and drove into the lane and put the bu- the basket up for a layup, and they counted it. Look, I think that Oklahoma City would have won that game either way, but I don't think that it ended on the best note, and that's the second time in the series that an iffy call was made, and I really don't like these refs. I don't. If I had to break down this entire series, it's summed up by these are bad refs. That's it. End of story. We don't even have to talk about it anymore. You, you watch him, you had Dion Waiters shoving uh, Manu Ginobili, you had Manu Ginobili stepping on the line when all that happened. You know, there's a lot going on that no one saw in this entire series. And even throughout games, you're missing calls left and right. They really are. It's poor refing on everyone's part. It is. And I, I don't, I think that this great series is going to be defined by poor refing. And I actually feel bad for the Spurs. And only bad for the Spurs because they're going to lose. They're not going to make it to the Western Conference Finals. They're going to lose to OKC. And it might be in their next game. It really it really, really could be. And it's going to be the end of the big three. It's, it's going to end Tim Duncan's career, end Tony Parker's career, Manu Ginobili. You know, all those guys are going to end most likely this season or next season. I don't know when. But they won't be as dominant as they were probably ever again. Whether they push out another five years or they all leave after the season, it's not going to be the same anymore. And you could see that when you look at it and realize that Kawhi Leonard is averaging 22 points, Lamar, LaMarcus Aldridge is averaging 22 points, and then Tony Parker is the next best player, averaging 10. You're not going to win NBA Finals with two guys that are scoring and then the rest of the team's you know, pretty subpar. You could argue the Cavs. Yes, okay, the Cavs have LeBron James averaging 23 points, Kyrie averaging 24, you know, and Kevin Love averaging 18. But then you look and JR is averaging, you know, 16, and I am Shumpert's averaging 10. So they have guys like that who could come in and produce 
when LeBron James and Kyrie and them aren't playing as well. And if you watch them, you realize this. You know, you're not going to make that argument if you've actually watched a Cavaliers game this season or this playoff season at least. And when it comes to the Spurs, they don't have that anymore. You, know, you watched Tim, our Tony Parker miss two shots last night that he easily could have ma- made and sent the game the Spurs way, not even into overtime, but the Spurs could have ended up winning that game and he, he couldn't make them. And because of that, he's really been struggling. And I think that it proves that this is the end of the big three and the end of the Spurs era. And it's sad to say because Tim Duncan, in my opinion, is the best player of my generation. Over the past 20 years, he is the best player in basketball. You know, he's been better than Kobe Bryant. I don't care who's going to argue it. You look at the numbers and you look at the productivity and you look at the finals and you look at all this. And Tim Duncan is the best player in this generation over the last 20 years. You know, Tony Parker's always been respectable. Manu Ginobili, the left-handed freak. I grew up loving that guy. And now it's a new era. I get Kawhi Leonard is a superstar. If I'm making a team, he's probably the third guy I'm picking. I'm probably going Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard. That's who I'm That's who I'm going. And then Steph Curry for, fourth. And everybody's going to yell at me and everybody's going to bag on me because, oh, Steph Curry's the best player in, in the NBA. Yes, he is the best player in the NBA. But if you look at it and you look overall game and you look building a team, Kawhi Leonard – could do anything Steph Curry could uh, notch down and he plays the best defense in the NBA all around all around best defense Uh, Avery Bradley deserved that defensive player of the award and I'm not going to argue that but when it comes to the rest of it yeah Westbrook's hands down the best overall player in the NBA and you just don't watch basketball if you don't agree with that and that's how it will be until Russell Westbrook calms down because he is a freak of nature but we got to get back to this Oklahoma City game Oklahoma City Spurs. So we already went through terrible, terrible refing. When it comes to the rest of it, Russell Westbrook and Durant are putting on a show. A show. And if you look offensive productivity, they're probably right there with the Cavs and Golden State. They are literally playing just as well as anyone else. The only problem is they have no supporting cast. None. You could look at Steven Adams. You know, you could look at... Lamb, you can look at any of those guys, but they're not playing as well as, you know, the rest of the other teams around them, as you should say. And they're going to win the series. They are. And I give them total props. I give them so much props because they are playing just as well as the teams that are winning these series. The only problem is, is that they have to play Golden State next. And when it comes to Golden State, I don't believe that Curry is going to let anybody beat him until the NBA Finals come around. And when we, when we look at Golden State, well, I'll give you your – okay, here we go. Everybody's going to get mad at me for this. Oklahoma City is going to win it 4-2. to two. Spurs are done. I'm sorry to say. We're going to leave it at that. Golden State, Portland. This series is over. It's done with. You look at Steph – Steph Curry comes back from a knee injury that I personally thought he was done for. I thought he was out for the playoffs. He wasn't going to come back. And I thought it was crazy for him to come back in game four. I did not think that there was any reason for him to play until I actually watched the game and realized, okay, well, they might not win this game if Steph Curry doesn't play as it doesn't play at all, I should say. Comes back and scores 40. 40. And it took him 10 shots to make a three-pointer, and he still shot 50%, and he still scored 40 points in 37 minutes. That's insane. The guy showed why he's the unanimous MVP. He showed why he's the best player in the NBA, and he showed why he deserves to get all the respect that he's getting because he does things like that. And I'm sorry to all the Steph Curry haters and all the Golden State haters, but they are as great as they seem. I I personally don't believe that some of their players are as good as everyone makes them out to be, but if you look at an overall team, they are some of the best players in the NBA or the best team in the NBA. They are. They really are, and they're going to win this series 4-1, and they're going to move on to Oklahoma City, and they're probably going to beat them. And it's going to not even be a hard game for them, a hard series. It's going to be things like 4-2, 4-1 maybe, because they are that good. They really are. They play so well. It's not even funny how well they play when they're all clicking. And everybody else sees it because at some point or another, you have sat down and you've watched a Golden State game. It has happened. 
there hasn't been a chance where you sat there and went, okay, well, Steph Curry's putting up 63 points a game, you know, in three quarters. I'm not going to tune into this game because everybody wanted to see him. Every single person wants to see Steph Curry go off. And when it comes down to the, the Western Conference Finals, I got to go Oklahoma City and Golden State. And Oklahoma City is going to lose. I'm sorry. And it's going to be 4-2, Oklahoma, or 4, 4-2 Golden State. I don't know why I want to keep saying Oklahoma City. I don't. But I, I just I do. I, maybe, I, maybe they're going to win. I don't know. If they do, you heard it here first. My mind is telling me to say Oklahoma City. But, you know, my brain and everything about me when sports is telling me not to. So I can't, I can't go Oklahoma City. I got to go Golden State 4-2. to two. All right, so earlier today, you know, we tweeted out, we asked people for questions. We threw it on Facebook. You know, what are you, what are you looking for in the NBA playoffs? What, do you, what are your questions? What are your comments? How do you feel when it comes to the NBA playoffs? And we did. We got some great questions. Uh, I got to start off, you know, at Brandon V412. It's actually Brandon Varasho who will be joining me on the next show. You know, he's a writer for the Boston Big Four. He loves the NBA, and he's made it clear to me that he's got a lot to talk about. So I am very excited to have him on the next show, whenever that will be. And he, he, threw at, he threw out, if the Spurs win their series, are they done? Should they move on from the old big three? Honestly, yes. I, I'd say yes. But I think you have to do it respectably. I don't think that you say, okay, Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker, you got to go. I think you talk to them under the table and never let anything released and say, look, guys, your careers are coming to an end. I get you can still play, but we need to either cut your minutes drastically or you guys need to retire because I we love you when you've done so much for this organization and we need you to leave on top, but we don't want you to be embarrassed through us and we don't want a bad name for ourselves. And that's how you do with it. They won't win the series. If they do, then you know maybe they, they push it out and they see if they could you know, play again next year. I mean, if they're going to win, if they come back from this and if they put on a show with Golden State, then, you know, you don't move on. Why would you move on from something that's working so well when you have a team around him, them who could step into place and continue to win? So you, you're you not going to. But if they do lose the series, yeah, I believe that it's, it's done with the big three. I think that Duncan retires. I think Tony Parker leaves with them. And I think Manu Ginobili might stay for a year and then head out. But I, it's hard to say. And I, I don't believe that you know, he really will, and I don't think he'll have much of a career left after this season. I don't think any of them will. Um, Connor Duffy, as everyone knows, C. Duffy 3346 tweets at us, does OKC have a real shot at beating the Warriors? No. <laughs> I'm going to leave it right there. No. No, they don't. They are pretty done, and I'm sorry to say, but Steph Curry showed the entire world why he is – the unanimous MVP and he's not going to let Oklahoma City stand in his way from getting to the finals even though I still don't believe that they're going to win the finals um, so do they have a real shot I'm gonna have to say no on that one as much as I I would like them to because I do like Oklahoma City I really like Westbrook and Durant uh, we have another one if the Heat beat the Raptors how many games will the Cavs versus Heat series go honestly I'm gonna say six maybe five I don't think it's going to be a deep series six well no six is deep but I I don't think it goes seven I don't I think that the Heat are are a great team and in a year or two they will be a dominant team in the East they really will with guys like Justice Winslow and you know Whiteside and all those guys you know Shabazz Napier even and you, you look at Goran Dragic they have guys around them that could create a good team, a great team in the East. But when it comes to this season, I think the Cavs are on point. I think that they all have one goal in mind, and that's to win a finals and erase the embarrassment that happened last year. Because I don't understand how two of your superstars are out for the playoffs. You average 45 points a game. You push it to six games, and somehow you're embarrassed in the finals. Somehow you are made fun of. I just don't understand that. And people, for some reason, think that's acceptable. I don't know why. But because of that, the Cavs have a mission and they're going to accomplish it. So I, I'm going to say five or six games. I'm not really 100%. If I had to guess, I'd say I'd say six. I think D-Wade pushes two. But we could be looking at, at an early series here. And then on Facebook, Charlie, Charlie writes to us, was Westbrook robbed of the MVP award? No. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was not robbed of the MVP award. You could look at it, and yes, 
Russell Westbrook, in my opinion, is the best overall basketball player in the NBA. I don't think that anyone even compares to him. I think that if you look at assists, you look at ball handling, you look at passing, you look at rebounding, you look at athleticism, you look at scoring, defense, everything. He is top of the list. And eventually, yes, I think he will get an MVP award. This year, the only reason that Steph was the unanimous MVP, rightfully so, is because he did for his team what no one else could do. He played three quarters and averaged crazy minutes. He showed the entire world that he is not a one-and-done guy. He is not looking to have one or two great seasons and leave. He's looking to do well in the NBA and create a name for himself, and he did that. And he showed the entire world, yes, I am the MVP. And if you watched him, you know, it was more of it was less of statistics and more of look it, I watched uh, Steph Curry play and I realized, wow, this kid is a freak of nature. This kid is a basketball extraordinaire. And that's why he won. And you can't you could argue, yes, look it. If you want to say Russell Westbrook deserved the MVP, throw it out there because you know, everyone knows he had a phenomenal season. He he did deserve some recognition. But when it comes to who was the most valuable player in the entire N- NBA, you can't argue that Steph Curry was not the most valuable player in the NBA. You can't. You can't do it. So, yes, I, I or no, I should say, Russell Westbrook was not robbed of the MVP award. It just wasn't. I want to talk about Steph Curry, actually, and the MVP award. We could jump into that. He was the first unanimous winner in the NBA ever, if you didn't hear that already. He joins Tom Brady and uh, Wayne Gretzky as the only unanimous MVPs in their respectable sport. And I agree with it. I think he deserved every single vote. I believe that halfway through the season, no, not even. I believe 15 games into the season, I knew he was the MVP and I knew he was the unanimous MVP. And because of that, I think he did. He had the entire year and he showed the entire year that he deserved the MVP. And that's why he got every vote. That's exactly why. You lead a team to 73 wins and everybody knows you're the best player in the NBA from day one. Then you're going to get votes. You really are. And I believe that he deserved every single one of them. If you watched him, you know, his numbers were crazy. And the other night in the playoffs proved proved why he deserved the MVP award. It proved exactly why he was the best player in the NBA because he came in and he went, okay, I'm not going to lose this game. I don't care how great my team is around me. They need me right now. I'm going to go win this game for them. And they did. And that's exactly what they did. They won. He won the game for them. So yeah, I agree completely. And you know, was Westbrook robbed? If you look at Charlie, no, he wasn't. And I'll answer that again, because he was probably my, my runner up. If I had to pick somebody behind Steph Curry, I'm picking Russell Westbrook. I think that he is my number two MVP, but I don't think he deserved a vote. I don't. I believe that Steph Curry deserved every single one of them, and he got every single one of them, and he deserved them. They were rightfully so. They were exactly what he what he earned. So, no, I, I anybody who says that he doesn't, and this is, oh, I want to talk about this. I have to. Tracy McGrady, I heard him the other day on the jump. He goes, he said a lot, all right? It was, it's not all bad if you really listen to him. But to sum it up, he goes, the NBA is watered down, and that is why Steph Curry won the unanimous MVP. He said that LeBron should have deserved a vote, you know, Russell Westbrook he threw out there. And I agree. I, I do. I, I mean, I, I don't believe that the NBA is as filled with superstars as it was 15, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. I, I don't. On the other end of it, I believe that these superstars, the superstars of today, are as insane as they possibly come. I think that you don't get guys like, you know, Magic Johnson and then guys like Charles Barkley, who is a superstar and will forever be a superstar. You get, you know, guys like LeBron James and Steph Curry, who you can always argue who is the better player in the NBA because they both play fantastic basketball they literally make you go wow every chance they can and then you have guys like Russell Westbrook which in my opinion is going to be the greatest athletic point guard of all time I think that by the time he retires if you are able to sit down and go Russell Westbrook was not the best overall player of all time then you haven't ever watched him play because every aspect of his game is outstanding and top notch and because of that he will go down in history as that in my opinion 
then you have guys like Durant and you have guys like LaMarcus Aldridge, you guys like Carmelo out there. You have top-notch guys. So yes, there aren't guys like, you know, Kobe in his prime and Shaq and AI and Tim Duncan and, you know, all those guys where all of them collectively as a group, there was probably 10 or 15 guys that could have possibly won the MVP award. I do agree with that aspect of it. But in today's basketball, a changing game of basketball, it is built around one superstar on a team, two superstars on a team. And that's what it will forever be until it changes again. You look at it, look at T-Mac was on his team. His team consisted of him and Yao Ming and others. When he played for the Raptors, it was him, Bogues, Vince Carter, all of them. They always had one or two or three guys on the team that made it phenomenal. But today's day of basketball, a game revolves around one player or two players on a team, maybe three. You get the big three here and there that are insane, and those are the teams that win championships. But for most teams, like Oklahoma City, like, you know, like the Raptors, like the Heat, they have the two guys, the one guy, those guys that could take over a game and prove why they're the best player on the team, and that's just how the game is revolved. So if you look at it, yeah, okay, look, I agree with Tracy McGrady that the NBA is watered down. Do I agree that Steph Curry didn't deserve this award? No, he deserved every vote he got, and I think that 10 years ago, if he was playing this well, he still would have got the unanimous votes. I still think that he would have won it. So I, I, I agree, but I disagree with the comments. That's just how, how I look at it. That's how I view this entire thing. We got to jump to the NFL for a second. Just a quick minute, you know, for all you guys complaining about how I didn't talk enough about the NBA. Well, get over it because I talked about it way too much. Sam Bradford. Oh, my gosh, Sam Bradford. He is becoming the next media attention Johnny Menzel. That's what he is. He's not getting arrested, obviously, but he just loves to hear his name called, and I hate it so much. It drives me crazy. The kid is not even good. I'll put it right out there. I will throw it right out there. He is a terrible NFL quarterback. Awful. I have been a Sam Bradford doubter since day one. Since the day he got drafted, I thought he was a terrible decision, and he has proven me nothing but right ever since. Nothing. The guy threw 14 interceptions last year, 3,700 yards, and 19 touchdowns, and he wants to be traded. He thinks that he's a top priority to NFL teams. Are you kidding me? I would not want him. I would not want him at all. I'd call Tim Tebow before I called Sam Bradford. I'd call Ryan Fitzpatrick and after offer him a bunch of money. I'd call Brian Hoyer. I'd trade for Josh McCown before I'm going for Sam Bradford. I'll, I'll look at Nick Foles. I'm not going Sam Bradford. The guy's terrible, terrible. And every year since he's been drafted, he's proven how terrible he really is. He's had one game or one season under 10 interceptions, and it was when he played seven games in a season, seven games, and he threw four interceptions. The guy is trash. He is not a good NFL quarterback, and Carson Wentz should be pumped because he's coming into a decent team with a terrible quarterback who he expects to learn behind for a season. No, not a chance. You want to know what they're going to do in that season? They're going to hear about how terrible Sam Bradford is, how terrible Sam Bradford is, and they're going to keep him in for some reason as Carson Wentz sits there, doesn't get hurt, and they're allowed to build a team. Next year in the offseason, they could build more around Carson Wentz, and then boom, Sam Bradford's out. That's how it works. Sam Bradford, I am sorry. I am really, really sorry. But you do not deserve to be traded. You do not deserve to not show up for minicamp. You do not deserve to get paid as much as you do. Nothing. Nothing at all. I don't agree with anything that you've said. Nothing. I don't agree with a single thing that you've done. You sound like a baby. You sound like a little crybaby. And I'm speaking to you directly. I hope you hear this. I really do. Because you... You don't have the numbers to be traded. You don't have the numbers to be a starting quarterback in the NFL by no means. And you do not have any any type of situation as you would like as you could call it to be throwing your name out there like, "Oh, I'm Tom Brady and I deserve to be traded because any team would like me." You know, "Oh gosh, I'm Brock Osweiler. Put me, sign me for big money. I'm Ryan Fitzpatrick." No, you're Sam Bradford, who's a low-end quarterback at best. You know, I would I would start as I named before all those quarterbacks before I started you. And you think that you could just be traded? Oh my gosh. It's a joke. That's what it is. It's a total joke. The guy thinks he's so great and he's so not. He's so terrible. 
I've been saying it since day one, and I will say it again. He does not deserve to be in the NFL in his position. He does not deserve to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. He does not deserve you know, to get as much money as he does, and he definitely does not deserve to not show up for minicamp the days that it, that, that it was starting. He does not deserve to do that and request a trade. Who are you trying to get traded to? Who wants you? No one wants you. The Browns don't even want you. The Broncos, who have Mark Sanchez as a quarterback, don't want you. When do you get the message that you're not worth it? You're not worth the money and you're not worth the hassle. And you just destroyed your career because after your contract's up with the Eagles, if it lasts that long, then no one's going to sign you. You want to know who's going to sign you? The Browns to back up RG3. The Bucks to back up uh, Jameis Winston. You know, someone, maybe the Broncos sign you to be a third string quarterback because that's all you are now. You just ruined your entire career and you are too dumbfounded to realize, you're too narrow-headed to realize how bad you just screwed up your career. Sam Bradford's not going to make it. He's not going to last another two seasons. And I guarantee you in three seasons, four seasons, you'll never hear Sam Bradford's name called again. And that's, that's how it's going to work because he is. He is an awful NFL quarterback and a giant baby and caused all this drama for no reason whatsoever. That's just how it is. So on a happier note, we're about to bring in Mike Galantini. For those of you who don't know, is a former Holy Cross College defensive lineman who has signed with the Porvoon Butchers of the Finnish American Football League as a rookie. And he is coming on the show to let us know, let me pick his mind a little bit on how he chose to play for the Butchers and how he is going to make that experience so incredible. But first, a word from our sponsors. Are you one of the thousands of people out there planning a significant event? Maybe you're getting married, celebrating a milestone, or planning the party of your dreams. Well, I have the perfect touch to your special event. Flowers by John Mackey is one of the leading event companies in all of Northeast Pennsylvania. From wedding party to the reception, they cover everything your event needs. And don't worry about experience or location. Flowers by John Mackey has created magnificent events all over the country. There's no better option for your big day. For more information, visit flowersbyjohnmackey.com or check them out on Facebook. Flowers by John Mackey. Make your event an event to remember. All right. I'd like to welcome Mike Galantini. How are you, Mike? I'm doing very well. How are you? Not too bad. <laughs> not too bad, as always. Um, you know, first off, once again, congratulations. Um, for, uh, obviously, on an extremely successful career at Holy Cross. I know I followed you and a lot of other people did, you know, throughout your, your career, obviously, because, you know, you're a local kid and uh, so am I. And, you know, it was really cool to see you go throughout college and have the success that you did. Um, and now, obviously, starting your career with uh, with the Butchers, which is awesome. And I'm sure everybody else is thinking the same thing. Um, so huge congratulations on that. I really appreciate it. Once again, thanks for having me on the show today. Hey, no problem, man. Um, first, obviously, the biggest question um, when did you realize and think that playing overseas was a realistic option for you after college? When did you think that, you know, all right, well, I could, I could do this. I could play for a team in Europe or a team like that. Well, I think it started, um, I knew that I wanted to continue my career after about my junior season. Um, you know, because of the, uh, opportunities I had at Holy Cross, I, you know, I also stayed relatively healthy my time here. Um, I had attracted some uh, scouts from, you know, professional teams, uh, you know, here domestically. Yeah. Um, but my senior year with uh, the Mayan Angel I had, I didn't really put the numbers up that I needed to get noticed by, you know, teams like the NFL and, and whatnot. But I had a teammate in that same junior year who uh, decided to pursue professional football in uh, Europe as well. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, getting his first-hand experience on the whole process and uh, the different leagues out there and everything. He's still currently Valkyrie, uh playing in um, Australia in July. Um, and he's a close friend of mine, Blake Bairnsford. He's a Montoursville uh, graduate. Oh, wow. um, and, uh, you know, after seeing firsthand from him, um, you know, the kind of opportunity out there, I knew that that was someplace that, you know, if – you know, being one of May at the end of my senior year, um, how my senior year went and how my career went at Holy Cross, that, that was definitely an option for me. That, I mean, yeah, that's obviously you did have a successful college career. And um, you said that you got looked at 
at scouts um what did what why why did you feel like waiting because obviously you signed with the butchers early after the draft and well it was actually right after your teammate got signed by the broncos i read that and um why 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 did you decide to sign so early instead of waiting to see if someone in the nfl would reach out to you well i i think after um you know, after my senior year, I did get a sense uh, that I just didn't play to the level that was going to attract um, that kind of uh, that kind of scouting. Uh, you know, I, I'm a realist down to the at the core, and I work really hard and everything. But I knew that if I did get an opportunity, it would be probably an invitation that wouldn't go anywhere. Um, so I knew that I, if I wanted to be able to play and actually get some kind of, um, you know, some real uh, experience out of it that this was the route I had to go. So um, the offer from the Butchers, actually, Florida Butchers, it came in late. I was actually originally planning on going to a team in the GFL, um, and it was just a very different offer. That I was going to um, you know, work primarily as an offensive player there. And um, this offer came in from the Butchers very late. It came in that Friday of the draft and um, I, I called my mom I said you know I got another offer uh, I sent it to my uh, my older brother and we, my family and I we talked about it and it just seemed like the right fit and after seeing the opportunity that my teammate got I was truly inspired to uh, to make a decision because you know opportunities like these don't come around often so I really said you know this is the right for me it was the right choice and I jumped well I mean hey obviously the the butchers got a great athlete and a great player in that so congratulations to you and them um going to towards the butchers I mean I I've looked obviously I mean not obviously but you know most people aren't big Finland American Football League fans <laughs> you know they, they obviously don't know much about it so I I yeah. obviously had to research a lot but what I found is like the butchers have been one of, one of the most successful teams in Finland you know, since, well, since 2008, since the early uh, 2000s, um, they've won, I believe, six championships. You know, they've, they've played well. Um, I, what, what are your expectations when you when you get to, te- to the team, when you start playing for them, uh, to develop into their style of play, and um, how do you believe that you can contribute towards that team? Well, you know, I guess, like you said, um, they have a long history of being a powerhouse in the, in the Maple League over there. Um, it's the Finnish translation of uh, you know the Finnish language is pretty tricky, so I'm hoping I can learn a thing or two for my teammates. Um, but the Maple League over there is actually one of the more premier leagues in Europe. Um, the Finns have a great, great admiration for football, um, and uh, like you said, this team, uh, the Butchers, they have been very successful in the past. So that was something that I definitely considered. Um, you know, going into all this, but I think it's going to be a great learning experience to, to not only be a part of a, you know, a team where it's the game I love, it's the game they love as well, um, and we're from very different cultures at the same time. So I think I'm going to get an education not only on the field, learning their style of play, learning, um, you know, everything else about football that they know, but as well as you know, being immersed in their culture. So. Yeah, that was actually my next question because I had to ask. I mean, I I'm not very in touch with the Finnish language, um, and I I don't know many people that are in this area. Uh, what is your, what What are your expectations when you go over there in that terms? How do you expect to communicate with the coaches and players and things like that? Or is it much easier? Do they speak English over there? And they you know, do speak English, which is a godsend. They because the well-known fact about Finland, they have the best education system in the world. Um, and with that, they're, um, because of the way their education system is set up, they also all learn English. So English is their second language. Um, so a lot of my teammates have spoken to me, they've, you know, messaged me on Facebook. I've got phone calls. I've spoken directly with the coach. Um, so everyone's English is, you know, very manageable, uh, conversationally. So, um, I don't have to worry too much about the language barrier, but everything written is in Finnish. 
so I've been <laughs> I've been trying to figure out. But it's a very complex language. I've heard everything from it's grammatically related to Japanese. Wow. Um, and to you know, it's it's Russian, and there's I've heard a whole lot of stuff. Um, but I'm I'm practicing. I, I I'm trying to commit a few useful phrases to memory, and uh, we'll go from there. But yeah, I mean, hey, best of luck on that, because that's. I mean, it, we all know it's not easy to learn a language, let alone, let alone you know, develop it completely in, into your own. Um, yeah. I mean, but back, back to the actual football, what, what are your – I want to know what your expectations are long term. I mean, you said that, you know, junior year, obviously you were, you were looking a little into the NFL because you heard from scouts and things like that, and then, you know, it, di- it didn't pan out, and now you're playing for the Butchers. But do you expect eventually to see if you could – come back to the United States and play or do you do you feel like you know you could get a grasp for it over there and really make a name for yourself well I think right now in a long-term sense um you know it's like everything else if my body decides it wants to stay healthy and uh you know I can really use this opportunity to to better myself as not only a player but um as a football mind um and whatnot I think that I have some I have a couple of good years left in me so I would like to see if I can you know play over in the, the premier leagues in Europe for a few years and then um, I'm actually lucky I'll be eligible for dual citizenship in Italy and um, that would open me up as a dual passport and I'd be able to use and skirt some of the import laws uh, by some of the leagues um, for import players and I'm hoping this might get me an opportunity into places like the the Canadian Football League as well Um, so I mean right now like I said as long as I can stay healthy, as long as I can keep developing my, you know, my football smarts, um, you know, I really, I really, really would like to continue to play it for as long as I can. I mean, yeah, you, you sound like you have all of this, you know, figured out inside and out. It is crazy <laughs> listening to everything that besides football that, you know, when it comes to all this, it's, it's, it's outstanding. It's awesome. Yeah, like I said, this has been something that I've been, uh, you know, it's almost been borderline obsessive you know i i came to holy cross because it's a great education but it's also a great football school um we didn't really have the success that you know i desired when i looked in here um the winning tradition at holy cross has always been you know a key facet to what makes them uh a great institution and a great football program so you know i i'm crazy about football and that's why i chose holy cross so with that being said Know, this is this is what I'm truly passionate about, and this is what I wanted to devote part of my life to. So I think even after my playing days are done, I see myself utilizing football as a way to continue my education, and I think I'll always be involved in some way, shape, or form, um, even into the later half of my life. I just, you know, I, I, I like so many other people, just really am passionate about this game, so... Yeah, I kind of got a little bit obsessive there for a little while. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's that's not bad. I'm sure that you have to be a little obsessive to to make it to where you are right now. I'm sure that if I tried, I wouldn't wouldn't even be close. Cause my, uh, you'd be surprised. Yeah. As long as you love something, you can put your all of your energy into it. You know, you're, we're capable of a lot of great things. No, yeah, I I believe it. Um, I, I mean, before before I let you go, I, I want to know, and I'm sure all the the thousands of butcher fans that tune into to this show no uh i want to know also what what are they getting i mean obviously everyone around this area everyone you know out there who knows you from holy cross and who knows you you know as a person is going to now become a part of this finland football culture and you know root for you and look look for you your name and watch games and do what they can um and we we all want to know and i'm sure that the butchers want to know as well what what are they getting in a football player i you're one of the most passionate players I've ever met, and you, you just said it yourself. You're you're borderline obsessed with the sport, so you you do what you can to succeed, and you love it. Um, but besides that, I mean, in a football player, what are what are your expectations in the pros now that you've you've made it to the pro league? Well, I think if uh, if I had to kind of sum up what kind of football player I am, um, I would say that you know I I, I truly try to rely on. Um, you know, just being that guy who has the motor. You know, I want to be able to play as hard as I can for longer than any of my opponents. I want to be like a brother um, to the rest of my teammates. The reason I, I'm very passionate about defensive line as well is that defense is a brotherhood mentality. You know, offense, you can get lucky 
You know, your, your stars can make a play one out of every four plays, and that's seen as a successful offense. You know, you get you make a great throw to one of your wide receivers, or you make an average throw to a really talented wide receiver. You know, not to put down offense, but you know that's that's a, that's a sign of a good offense. A great defense has to be perfect. You know, four plays in a row. You know, four out of four times each. You know, um, possession. So, with that being said, there's a real sense of brotherhood within defense, and I, I want to make sure I can you know, be a good brother within that, you know, defense for my team. And lastly, I want to see if I could just, you know, impress the idea of, you know, where I come from upon these, uh, you know, my Finnish uh, teammates, you know, because as you know, the Valley is full of some great people. And, uh, you know, you try, people will forget what you do. People will forget what you say, but they'll never forget the way you make them feel. So I hope I can really make them feel, um, you know, good about who they are, about what they're doing, about, you know, what everyone is, uh, you know, doing as a common goal. And, you know, they'll maybe remember me when I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm sure they will. I, I'm definitely positive about that. Uh, meeting you, I mean, knowing you in person, you know, you're obviously one of those people who you, you don't forget because you, you have that impact on people and it's always positive, which is great. Um, but, I mean, obviously I want to congratulate you once again you know, on an outstanding college career and, you know, obviously this opportunity. And I want to thank you for coming on the show. This is, you know, extremely, oh, I'm, I don't want to say overwhelming, but it, it's it's awesome to sum it up in bland tor- terms, you know, to have someone who has now made it to where everyone wishes to be, you know, it's it's incredible. I appreciate it. You're, that's very kind of you to say. <laughs> No problem, man. All right. Well, thanks for coming on again. Take care. Absolutely. Have a good one. And that's going to do it for us. I'd like to thank Mike Galantini one last time for coming on the show, and I hope all the best for you in your future finished career. For the rest of you, make sure to check out AverageJoeSports.com, a blog for your everyday sports fan. Make sure to check them out for new articles and podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to the Average Joe Sports Show on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you can now visit us on AverageJoeSports.com slash podcast. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the NBA playoffs.